Class is in session. Here, here's, here's your host, DJ AAA. ever asked the couple how they met? What I've learned is that the stories behind the most interesting or unlikely are usually the best ones. I'm hoping that you will see this as the case. Tonight in Music Detention, I'm going to introduce you to three amazing couples who met by chance and made great music. What's unfortunate is that each relationship ended, one was way too soon. This is Music Detention. When 16-year-old Cheryl Lynn Sarkazian stepped off the bus in Los Angeles after a bus ride from El Centro, she took a deep breath, soaked in the smog, and said like everyone who's arrived to that same spot with nothing more than spare change in a dream, that it's showtime. I'm going to be famous. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. And with all of the excitement, but no plan, Cher walked out of the bus station and into an ocean of other wannabe people with her same dream. It was 1962. Salvatore Philip. Sonny Bono claims to be in the music business. Currently working as an assistant for the great Phil Spector, Sonny walks into a coffee shop for a cup of joe and Cher was working there as a waitress. She and Sonny, who was 28 years old, began to talk and Cher admitted that she was losing her apartment and was in need of a place to stay. Sonny, who was separated and in the process of getting divorced from his wife Donna Rankin, offered his place to share if she was willing to keep the place clean. And this is where our story begins. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. The drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. Now, before we get started, I asked a few people what they knew about Sonny and Cher. Most said that they had a TV show and a hit song. Some said, who's Sonny? So here's the thing, and the reason I chose Sonny and Cher as one of the three couples tonight. And as a side note, I'm looping Green Eyed Lady by Sugarloaf. 
This song was released in 1970. The label is Liberty Records, and this song was written by Jerry Corbata, J.C. Phillips, and David Reardon. Green-Eyed Lady peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and was RPM Magazine's number one single for two weeks. This song takes me back. Man, I am telling you. Sonny and Cher were a powerhouse duo and very little is known about them. In the eight years that they were strictly a recording artist, Sonny and Cher sold over 40 million records worldwide. That's the equivalent of going platinum 40 times. Three albums and one single achieved gold status in the United States. A gold record or album is one that sells a half million copies. Nine of 10 singles from Sonny and Cher peaked on the Billboard Top 40 challenging The Beatles, The Temptations, The Supremes, The Beach Boys, Elvis Presley, and The Jackson 5. Sonny and Cher's highest charting works include It's The Little Things, released in 1967. This song only peaked at 50 on the Billboard Hot 100. When You Say Love, released in 1972, it peaked at number 32 on the Billboard Top 100, also at number two on the US Alternative Charts and number 16 on the Canadian Charts. Just You, released in 1966, peaked at number 20 on the Billboard Top 100. But Your Mind, released in 1965, peaked at number 15 on the Billboard charts, also number 17 on the UK charts. What Now My Love, released in 1966, peaked at number 14 on the Billboard charts, at number 13 in the UK, at number 10 on the Belgium charts and number seven on the Canadian charts. What now, my love? Now that you left me, how can I live through another day? Watching my Baby Don't Go, released in 1965, peaked at number eight on the Billboard charts and it was number one in Canada. Baby, I'll be back. 
A Cowboy's Work Is Never Done. I love that song. Released in 1972, peaked at number eight on the Billboard charts. Charles was released in 1971 and peaked at number seven on the U.S. Billboard charts. Some of you might remember Kenny Rogers' version released in 1979. Goes on, my favorite Sonny and Cher song as a kid was released in 1967. It peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. Got You Babe, Sonny and Cher's anthem was released in 1965 as an answer to Bob Dylan's It Ain't Me Babe, performed by the Turtles. This song rose to number one on the U.S. Billboard charts, selling over a million copies and stayed there for three weeks. This song was also number one in both the U.K. and Canada. Sonny Bono wrote the majority of their music. That was announced on the album titled Mama Was a Rock and Roll Singer 
Papa used to write her songs. This was their fifth album, but because music was evolving and they weren't, it would be their final music-only project. It was 1973, but I need to turn the pages back because at this point, Sonny and Cher were in a different place and I need to explain how they got to where they were at this point and the direction that Sonny was turning the wheel to give Cher a shot at stardom as an actress. Sonny Bono was a businessman and an optimist. His wife Cher has the dream to be a star. Sonny tried his hand at creating movies for Cher twice. Both movies, Good Times, a comedy released in 1967, and What's Wrong with Chastity, starring Cher and written by Sonny in 1969 flopped. The couple had bills, debts to be for real for real, and a baby on the way. Sonny had to do something quick. And he and Cher packed up and took their talents to Las Vegas. They began fine-tuning themselves for what would make them a household name. It was 1971. From Television City in Hollywood. It's a sunny and cheer comedy hour. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sonny and Cher. Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour launched in August of 1971. The show opened with a song and then Sonny would say something and Cher would give him and the camera the look. And then, <laughs> and, when the, and when the time was right, Cher would fire back and Sonny was always on the receiving end of the joke. Man, I miss that show. The writing was awesome. Cher would wear these cool, sexy outfits. There were guest stars. The show was funny. There was singing, and each episode ended with Sonny and Cher singing their hit, I Got You, Babe, to each other. Usually their daughter, Chastity, who was two or three at the time, would come out on stage, and the three of them would wave goodbye and end the show. The Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour is how me and most of America spent our Monday nights from 1971 to 1974. The couple looked great publicly, but privately, privately, there was something else going on. It broke my heart when I learned that Sonny and Cher were done. Mr. Sonny had done, and was still doing, some pretty messed up stuff. And although Cher loved Sonny, she found herself at a crossroads. She had no independence. She was being forced to depend on Sonny financially, and dude was taking everything, including Cher's peace of mind. Miss Cher did some soul searching, and concluded that she deserved better. So she called a lawyer. And to learn how this ends, just stick around. You're listening to Music Detention, and I am DJ AAA. Man, where do you start with this one? I guess you start with a song, just like the one I'm about to play. This is Two Story House, 
by George Jones and Tammy Wynette. We always wanted a big two-story house Back when we lived in that little two-room shack We wanted fame and fortune And we lived life the way the rich folks do We knew somehow we'd make it Together, me and you I want you to listen to the words of this song. Why? Because it defines what happens when a couple's focus turns to their own individual successes. We bought that big two-story house and soon became the envy of the town. With all our work behind us, we finally settled down. George Jones and Tammy Wynette began officially when Mr. George admitted that he loved Miss Tammy in front of her enraged husband at the time, Don Chapel. Mr. George came by Don and Tammy's house for breakfast and to check in on Miss Tammy's kids because they were all sick the night before. His timing was perfect because Mr. Don and Miss Tammy were in the middle of a big fight in her kitchen. It was 1968, and this gets better. George Jones walks in as Mr. Don was throwing some harsh words and accusations at Miss Tammy. It only took seconds, and George Jones lost it. Mr. George first flipped the kitchen table and then jumped into Mr. Don's face. George Jones admits that he loves Miss Tammy, and he wasn't going to stand by and let someone talk about her that way. Then Mr. George turns and puts Miss Tammy on Front Street by saying, and you love me too, right? That takes a yes or no for an answer. And Miss Tammy had to come clean and shame the devil. Tammy Wynette said yes, and Mr. George took Miss Tammy's hand and the new couple stepped over the old overturned kitchen furniture and left. Of course, Miss Tammy took her kids. We are gathered together in the presence of God and these witnesses to join this man and this woman in the bonds of holy matrimony. Do you, Tammy, take this man, George, to be your lawfully wedded husband, to love and to cherish until death do you part? Yes, I'll take this man and buy. George Jones and Tammy Wynette had their issues, but they loved each other. They even sang their marriage vows after they became Mr. and Mrs. Country Music. Now to offer some backstory to those of you who do not know George Jones and Tammy Wynette. They're traditional country singers. They sang about love and love gone wrong. And love gone wrong is the tale that we're gonna blaze tonight. 
Let's do this. Take this woman, Tammy, to be your lawfully wedded wife, to love and to cherish until death do you part. Yes, I'll take this woman. She'll be mine forever. And I'll love her with all of my heart. To have and to hold, my love won't grow cold. I promise. When I was a kid, one of my favorite TV shows was Hee Haw. The Hee Haw Show was the perfect setup to a night of clean television fun on a Saturday night. And I'm not the only black kid that watched Hee Haw. We all knew the pst. <laughs> you were gone, Saul. See the new styles they're wearing Like women folks walking out around in men's pants And you couldn't see grown men wearing rompers Instead of uncles, they look more like ants It was like early 1970 when I first saw George Jones and Tammy Wynette together. Actually, it was 1973. The song they sang was the one I played earlier, Two Story House. The song was written by Tammy Wynette. Actually, it was co-written by Tammy Wynette. Uh, there was a guy, I can't think of his name, but there was a guy that helped her to write the song. Both Mr. George and Miss Tammy came from some dark places, just like a lot of successful people. And they too carried their pains in invisible suitcases and they just couldn't let them go. As Mr. and Mrs. Country Music, Mr. George and Miss Tammy sang songs about being together and making things work. And for a while, it looked from the outside that things were working. I wish that I could say that they both fell victim to my new two-story house analogy. But that was never the case because Miss Tammy could maintain. I believe that she had what she wanted. Miss Tammy was happy and it wasn't long before Mr. and Mrs. Country Music had a baby girl. Now, I don't want to talk about them separately or personally but I kind of have to, to try to explain why they ended as a duet as I see it. George Possum No-Show Jones not only had a drinking problem like his dad, but he also had a cocaine addiction. And the dude got pretty crazy. When the monkey showed up, George had to satisfy it. Even if that meant driving his own lawn tractor from their estate into town to go to the liquor store. Now, dude did that. There's even a mural on the wall of the Nashville liquor store that Mr. George rode his John Deere tractor to because all the keys to all of his cars were hidden from him. monkey don't have to shoe his feet. All he do is scratch his fleas. Oh, me, what luxury. But I'm a people. The nicknames Possum and No Show were given to Mr. George for good reason. First, and I didn't notice this until I saw the interview, but George Jones has these beady possum-like eyes. He started wearing sunglasses to hide them. Second, George Jones had built a reputation 
for being a no-show to a lot of his own gigs. In the Bob Allen biography of George Jones, Mr. George explains that many promoters would put his name in the lineup to sell more tickets without actually booking George Jones. Maybe it was like that, and I guess that I can maybe even see it. Either way, that stayed with Mr. George, even after he and Miss Tammy hooked up. And later, she mentioned in an interview that because of how Mr. George was back then, they sometimes on the hook for thousands. Now remember, I'm only trying to talk about how it was while George Jones and Miss Tammy worked as a duo. There is lots more to learn about Mr. George, and if you would like to hear or read my reactions, just leave a note at the Music Detention Facebook page. Tammy Wynette is the first lady of country music. Why? Because Miss Tammy is the first female country artist to sell a million records. Tammy Wynette was hugely successful and she came literally from nothing, just like Mr. George, to become all of that and a bag of chips. Tammy Wynette's songs tell a story. Yeah, she did come off kind of sad in her recordings, but when you combine her singing style, her history with men, and her songs like Divorce, No Charge, remember that one? stand by your man it's understandable why modern thinking women don't like the traditional ways of Tammy Wynette Here's our first lady, Hillary Clinton. You know, I'm not sitting here as some little woman standing by my man like Tammy Wynette. I don't really want to go there, but to be truthful, I love Tammy Wynette. And here's my short reason as to why. I see Tammy Wynette as a boss lady. She had 20 number ones on the Billboard charts and sold 30 million records worldwide. She even lived in a mansion that was called First Lady Estate because the old girl did it. There was nothing pitiful about Miss Tammy. Don't get it twisted. Tammy Wynette was a self-made millionaire. And as a singer-songwriter, Miss Tammy has earned nearly every type of music-related royalty. Tammy Wynette didn't need a man for anything. She only wanted one. Miss Tammy felt like she was incomplete if she didn't have a man in her life. And before you ladies, <laughs> look, I get it. Times have changed and women are on the rise to be boss ladies. But let me close this hole that I might have opened with an old saying. Behind every good man is a good woman. Behind Barack was Michelle. Behind John F. was Jackie O. Behind Martin was Coretta Scott. Behind Cliff was Claire. 
Behind Abraham was Sarah and behind Moses was Zipporah. None of these women needed a man, but they all stood by one and helped to make him great. Miss Tammy only wanted the same thing. She tried five times, but she never found it. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Only found her another sad song. Here's George Jones and Tammy Winnett. What ended Mr. and Mrs. Country Music was George Jones chasing Tammy Wynette off with a gun. Mr. George's addictions became too much and too real. Miss Tammy already feared Mr. George when he was on that end. Now I'm guessing that one night Mr. George and that old monkey was doing their thing and Miss Tammy had finally had enough and tried to stand up to her husband and tell him that he needed to shut this thing down. But dude was probably too stoned, too drunk, or both out of his mind, and the monkey wasn't having it. So the monkey said, George, I think your girl is trying to come between us. You need to handle your business, bruh. I thought you was the one wearing the pants around here. Mr. George first looked at his wife and then he looked around the room and picked up one of several guns that he kept in the house. Miss Tammy saw what was coming and grabbed her kids and they bolted for the door. Mr. and Mrs. Country Music was no more. Miss Tammy was reluctant, but she made those appearances with Mr. George to fulfill contracts and to satisfy their promoters. But for her, their song was over. You're in music detention, and I am DJ AAA. <laughs> music detention with DJ AAA. First thing Motown founder Barry Gordy said as he picked up his pen was, we need to shorten your name so it fits on a record. Tammy Terrell's given name was Thomasina Winifred Montgomery. Now the story behind her name goes like this. Her parents, Thomas, a businessman and local politician, and Jeannie, an actress and poet, was expecting a boy. Now. They had already nicknamed him Tommy. <laughs> Weren't they surprised? The baby girl 
was already named, so they just decided to stay with it. Tammy's early years to arriving at Motown are years of good times, hard times, pain, and abuse. To understand what I mean, you can watch the many biographies or read the book, My Sister Tommy, The Real Tammy Terrell, written by Tammy's sister, Ludie Montgomery. Tammy Terrell was signed at Motown in April of 1965 after being noticed by Barry Gordy. Mr. Gordy caught her show a few weeks earlier and wanted her in his Motown family. Miss Tammy's first song wasn't a duet with Marvin Gaye. He was at Motown, but kinda not at Motown. I'll try to explain. Miss Tammy's first single was I Can't Believe You Love Me, which became Tammy Terrell's first R&B Top 40 single. It was followed immediately by Come On and See Me. This was 1965. Miss Tammy recorded two future classics, All I Do Is Think About You, written and re-released by Stevie Wonder. Formed by the Isley Brothers, and they probably wrote it. And again by Betty Swan, Rod Stewart, and Cynthia Arrivo for the movie Bad Times at El Royale. Remember y'all, royalties. the success of I Can't Believe You Love Me, Miss Tammy was asked to join the Motown Review. This review is a group of singers that opened for The Temptations. During this time, Barry Gordy was looking for the perfect fit for Tammy Terrell. It didn't take much time to realize that he already had what he needed to make the perfect duet. Marvin Pence Gay Jr. was signed to Motown after performing at Barry Gordy's house 
during the holiday season in December of 1960. The deal was a little hairy because he was working with another band which was under the control of a dude named Harvey Fuquay. After the deals were made, Mr. Marvin was assigned to Tamla Records, which is a sister company to Motown. So again, he was at Motown, but not quite at Motown. Marvin Gaye had been singing duets with Mary Wells. Kim Weston. Mr. Gorey also had a new songwriting team wanting to show that they had songs just waiting to be released. Mr. Marvin said later that he didn't know how gifted Miss Tammy was until after they began singing together. At first, they recorded their vocals separately, singing the entire song. Now it's easier that way when you're in the studio. Motown has the same workings as the big auto factories. Each component is handled separately. So Mr. Gordy had his Motown engineers to remix the vocals and edit out the background singers, giving Mr. Marvin and Miss Tammy vocal dominance. And man, it worked. Ain't No Mountain High Enough became a crossover pop hit in spring of 1967, reaching number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 3 on the R&B charts, making Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell singing sensations. Their follow-up, Your Precious Love, became an even bigger hit, reaching number 5 on the Billboard Pop charts and number 2 on the R&B charts. At 
the end of the year, the duo scored another top 10 single with If I Could Just Build My World Around You. This song peaked at number 10 on the Billboard Pop Charts and number 2 on the R&B Charts. Now, this song had an unknown B-side. At least, I didn't know about it until a few years later when it was released by Cheryl Lynn with Luther Vandross and that this song was a Marvin Gaye composition. Give me plenty loving, baby. Give me plenty loving, honey. Keep on loving me. If This World Were Mine became a modest hit on both charts, number 68 on the Billboard Pop Charts and number 27 on the R&B Charts, Mr. Marvin would later cite the song as one of Tammy Terrell's favorites. All four songs were included on Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell's first duet album, United, released in summer 1967. If this world were mine, I would place at your feet All that I own, you've been so good to me If this world were mine, I'd give you the flowers, the birds and the bees For with your love inside me, that would be Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell performed their songs until they couldn't. Though Miss Tammy complained about pains, she insisted the people close to her that she was always well enough to perform. But on October 14, 1967, while performing Your Precious Love with Marvin Gaye at Hampton Sydney College, just outside the town of Farmville, Virginia, Tammy Terrell collapsed in the arms of Marvin Gaye. It was something that he would never get over. Miss Tammy was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor on the right side of her brain. She had several surgeries, but she unfortunately lost her battle on March 16th of 1970. Man. Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell managed to release two more songs while recovering from her first surgery and before her passing. You're All I Need to Get By and Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing. Both of these songs reached number one on the R&B charts. Notably, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell were voted the number one R&B duo by Cashbox Magazine in 1970.
Join us every Saturday night for music detention on the cool oldies with DJ AAA. Before the bell sounds, I need to get through this. Money is the root of all evil, and Sonny Bono fell victim to it. Mr. Sonny wasn't just hoarding money, he was also stealing money from Cher. 95% of Miss Cher's earnings were going to Mr. Sonny, and Cher didn't know it. Cher filed for divorce in 1974, citing involuntary servitude as the reason for their split. Remember when they met and the stipulations Sonny had when he offered his place to Cher? Well, those stipulations never changed. Miss Cher was nothing more to Mr. Sonny than an employee. The crazy part is, I believe that Mr. Sonny loved the team of Sonny and Cher. It makes no sense to me that he would destroy it. Sonny Bono suffered severely for his infidelity and dishonesty. His career in show business was over, and rightfully so. Now, you might be in full Sonny hate mode right now, and I get that. But here's what I'd like to end with. Mr. Sonny was optimistic, supportive, and creative. I don't want to say that Sonny Bono made Cher, but he did bring Cher to the game. After the Chastity movie, people in Hollywood thought and said that Miss Cher couldn't act. So what did Sonny do? He took Cher to Vegas and they worked on her skills. After their divorce, Cher got her own TV show and in a few years, the movie offers came. Now, I get it. Cher is an amazing talent and she has an equal work ethic. Still, it's highly possible that Cher wouldn't be who or where she is if she had not met Sonny Bono. He said, I'll love you till I die. She told him, you'll forget in time. As the years went slowly by, she still prayed upon his mind. If you've watched any of the old videos of George Jones and Tammy Wynette, you would see clearly that Mr. George loved Miss Tammy. And losing her, at least in the short term, was the worst thing that could ever happen to him. But I would like to argue that maybe losing Miss Tammy was the start of better things for Mr. George. In the 1980s, George Jones got himself clean and sober and it made him a different man. And as Mr. George aged, he learned to laugh and make light of the things that used to get him worked up and needing a drink, or worse. The last George Jones show that I saw was awesome. The old dude was happy and full of life. He even sang songs that brought attention to his beady eyes and his inability to sometimes make the gig. I didn't see no tears All dressed up to go away First time I'd seen him smile in years He stopped loving her today It plays to She came to see him one last time. 
wondered if she would. And it kept running through my mind. This time, he's over her for good. He stopped loving her. The day that Miss Tammy passed was a sad one for me because I was a huge fan. But the sadder day, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but it was the day that Mr. George Jones passed because watching him change his last couple of years also changed me. And this leads me into something that I should probably say. I don't mean to use this as a platform, but when George Jones was young, he had a look about him and it was the type of look that would make a dude like me uncomfortable and possibly make some negative assumptions and being that way is wrong. So here's the thing. I've never heard of George Jones assaulting anybody except for Miss Tammy and the night that he did that he was intoxicated. It is our assumptions that keeps us separated. If we could lose those assumptions, we could grow together as a people. Lastly, Tammy Terrell was only 24 years old when she died, but she lived it. There's a compilation of songs that she recorded released after her passing, and unfortunately, Miss Tammy never got a chance to perform those songs live. You don't know how much time you're going to get, so make the most of the time you have. Drop that record, write that book, start that business, Take that road trip and do what you've been putting off. If you're not doing it, start living your life. You only get one. Music Detention is produced by Smiley Enterprises Incorporated. Re-recordings for personal use are prohibited. I'm just an old dude with a microphone, recalling what I remember and researching only to fill in the cracks. Don't take my words as fact. 
do your own research. Find your truth and correct me where and when I'm wrong. For show transcripts and other useful information, go to the Music Detention website. We spell music with a Z and a K. There's also a Facebook page. It would be great if you sent a friend's request and joined in on the conversation. Thanks for listening. Oh, and before you go, past episodes can be found on demand. Just go to this station's website. You can also check their schedule for future showtimes. Okay, now class is dismissed. Have a good evening. And I am DJ Triple A. Thank you, baby. If you've missed one of your favorite episodes of Music Detention and want to listen again, catch up on demand on the Cool Oldies app, available on iOS and Android. The Cool Oldies is owned by Strickland Media Group Incorporated. Class is dismissed. <laughs>